If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms chapter 8. I would normally take a little bit more time, but I'd, if I get through by noon, well, I'll get through before then. I'll make sure of that. But uh, I don't want you to get through before I get through. Psalms chapter 8. He said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. I want to read that from a different translation. It says, From out of the mouths of children and nursing babies, you have ordained praise on account of your adversaries. He's saying, I set something in motion that even if a child does it, if a child does it, it will set something in motion. And he has ordained praise on account of your adversaries that you might Put an end to the vindictive enemy. Oh, yeah, I love that. That you can put an you can put a stop to the nonsense. The New Living Translation says, "You have taught children." To tell of your strength, silencing your enemy and all who oppose you. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies to silence the enemy and the avenger. It's not in your Bibles, but it is in the footnotes of this psalm. There is a subscription that many have often related to the ninth chapter, but in reality it is connected to the eighth chapter. And that is this. The subscription is a psalm concerning Goliath. A song concerning Goliath. And from that this morning, I want to speak to you a word concerning your Goliath. Amen. Everybody has said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I mentioned, the postscript of this psalm is that it is a psalm concerning Goliath. It was written after that epic encounter at Elah when the Philistines had marshaled themselves against 
Israel and had set the battle in array and yet nothing really was happening other than a great deal of intimidation. Out of that experience, out of that time with Goliath, God gave David a song to sing over his Goliath. It was a new song. The 144th Psalm is another psalm that is connected to this psalm that is also footnoted as a psalm concerning Goliath. And in the ninth verse of the 144th Psalm, he said, I will sing a new song. I will sing a new song unto thee, O Lord, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. He has a new song after that experience that he could use not only relating to that experience, but to help him in time to come. This new song that he mentions is a setting of a new tone for his life and a new sound that was coming from his lips. Things had not always been like that. They had not always been as they were now. He had remembered the fear. He had remembered the trembling. He remembered the questions and the invictiveness of uh, the enemy that stood over Israel at that time. And yet God gave him victory over that Goliath. And he gave him deliverance for his people. And I believe this morning that God would like to give some of you a song concerning your Goliath. Because I believe that every one of us have a Goliath of some kind that we encounter in life. I believe that we all have an intimidating, overwhelming, uh, annoying, disturbing presence that comes in and out of our lives to wreak havoc and to cause us to question who we are and what we are. To understand my message today, I I need to take you back to the actual story of David and Goliath. And it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And you go back to a time in the life of Israel that was not their finest hour. Even though Saul had been anointed king and was head and shoulders above everyone else, it seemed that he lacked a certain quality of leadership that would have helped them at this moment. And the Philistines, they had been a nemesis to Israel for a long time. They they were that annoying distraction in life that just doesn't ever seem to go away. You think you deal with it one day and then the next it comes back up in another form. And the, the, the Philistines were just like that. They were constantly nipping and, and striking at Israel and disturbing their, their, their peace in the country and interrupting the, their, their economy. And the Philistines, 
I think in my estimation, they represented everything that seeks to keep you and I from enjoying all that God has provided for us. I I believe that the Philistines or that spirit represents everything that is trying to keep me from reaching my potential or being who God called me to be or standing in the strength that God has said that I should have. And the Philistines had come to do war with Israel. There was no doubt of what they had on their mind. It was mischief. And their champion was a guy by the name of Goliath, 10 feet or so tall. His visage was impressive. You look at his armor and you weigh all of the instruments of war that he had and you realize that he was a brute of a man. He was a beast to say the least. And, uh, more, more than being a beast, he was overwhelming and intimidating. And when they came to battle, he stood out on the side of the hill between the camps and he would cry out. And scripture says that he did it morning and evening for 40 days, morning and evening. They heard the same slur. They heard the same vindictive word. They heard all of the thing that Goliath could think of that would slander them and, and all that he could do to undermine who they were. And somehow uh, by undermining their, their, their understanding of who they were, it would shake the foundation upon which they stood. And I, I, I hadn't read the story in a while, so I wanted to go back and I, I read it again. And as I began to read the story, I realized that what Goliath did then is not a lot different than what people are going through right now. And I thought it was interesting, the attack that the enemy made against God's people and uh, the effect of his visage. And and, and and I want to use a play on words, and I, I don't want to confuse you because it was even confusing to me when, when the Lord first started talking to me. But I want to show you the effect that Goliath can have, and then I want you to see the effect of Goliath's presence. Now, the difference is... Simply that effect is a verb that speaks of an action that has occurred. It speaks of something that has been done. In, and in, in our terminology, we would probably use the word impact as another word. How did that impact us? Because something happened that shook us or awakened us or stirred or challenged us. And so when you read the story, you're, you're watching all of these events unfold. Israel on one side, the Philistines on the other, and then this giant comes down the side of the mountain toward the valley, and he's hurling these vindictive statements, and he's hurling all of these accusations against God's people, and, and the, the, the more he talks and the louder he talks, the more they cower and the more fearful they become. And so I noticed the effect of his presence. The effect 
was, it impacted them immediately. They immediately felt something. They, there was a change in the atmosphere. It didn't matter that they had a king that stood head and shoulders above everybody else. It didn't matter that they had the God of Israel on their side. In this moment, they became overwhelmed by the effects of these words that were being hurled at them. These words. Everybody say words. We say that words don't hurt us, but I'm telling you, whoever told you that doesn't know much about life. Sticks and stones may break my bones and words will never hurt me. That's that's a lie, folks. Words are more painful than anything else that I know of. And they have more impact upon us. And they have more influence over us than many times we want, we want to acknowledge. And so that's what the, what, what the Philistine began to do. He began to hurl words at them. Words that were like bombs that would explode in their mind and in their spirit. And, and he began to hurl these vindictive things and hateful and unfavoring things that were spoken. And the effect of Goliath on them was immediate. They began to cower in their tents and they began to question their validity and all of that that went on in the minds and the spirits of God's people. But I noticed what he did, and it's so, to me, it's a revelation. I, I hadn't paid that much or close attention to it until I reread it. But I looked at the effect of Goliath's words, and I want you to notice what he did. Go to First Samuel chapter 17, and somewhere down in the middle portion there, you'll pick up on the conversation between uh, Goliath and Israel, and you'll you'll notice what I'm I'm, I'm what I'm trying to point out, and and, and it, it talks about how he would cry out to Israel, and uh, uh, let, let, let's let me just for the sake of time let me uh, begin with verse number eight, and it said, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them. Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Why are you even here? So the first thing that, that, that Goliath did that began to undermine, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you understand what I'm getting at in a moment, but he began to undermine their purpose. What are you here for anyway? What, what, what are you doing here in the first place? What what made you think that you were great enough to challenge someone like me? And so he challenges their purpose. He questions their reason for existence. It's obvious, he seems to indicate, that you are no match for me. Why are you come out to set your battle in array Am not I a Philistine and you servants to Saul? He questioned not only their purpose, but he questioned their identity. He tried to, he, he tried to make them forget they were not servants of Saul. They were servants of God. 
But in, in, when the enemy is like Goliath is working against you and when that spirit comes against you, it comes to undermine First of all, your purpose, your reason for being here. It begins to hurl questions at you as to any purpose for your whole life. You don't even have a real reason for existing. What are you even doing here today? What do you think this service is going to make a difference for in your life anyway? Why are you even trying? Why are you even trying to do this life, this Christ life that they keep talking? Why are you even trying to live like you live? And that's the continual work of the enemy. He questioned their purpose. Why are you come out against me? And then he questioned their identity. I'm a Philistine. I'm a warrior, but who are you? You're just a servant to Saul. Your enemy wants you and he wants me to be confused about who we are. More important, he wants you to be confused about whose you are. Amen. He wants you to be confused about whether or not you are a child. Amen. He's going to question your identity. And then he goes on to question their ability to fight. He said, choose a man and send him down to me and let's see if he's able to fight. First of all, he begins to question your purpose. Then he begins to question your identity. And then he questioned your ability to fight. And then to top it all off, he just stands there and taunts and challenges you and says, give me a man that we may fight together. Now, that was the effect. Now, I want you to look at the effect of what happened. This is the outcome of the action. This is, this is what transpired in Israel. Once all of this started happening and the enemy started hurling all this garbage at them and all these vindictive statements toward them, the effect was that they began to react. And they began to react in fear. And they began to react doubting. They began to react questioning. The result and outcome that followed was so sad, the Bible said that they were cowering in their tents. They were hiding in their tents. They were so intimidated by what was going on. You see, the effects of the enemy's words against you are no different. He comes, first of all, to question your purpose. He comes to question your identity. He comes to question your right as a child of God. And if you're not careful and you give in to what is being said... The effect will be no different than it was to these men in that day. And that is we begin to believe the report of our enemy. And we begin to believe all those things that's being said about us. And forget what God has said to us. Amen. The result and the outcome was so sad. The effect and the result of that encounter was to cause Israel to tremble and hide and their spirits were demoralized. 
They allowed this enemy to strip them of their power and their authority and their position and their relationship. And they began to question their ability. They began to question their calling. I'm talking to some people right here that have questioned whether or not you were even saved over the last few weeks or months. You've, you've gone through things and you've had encounters that made you even question whether or not you were saved. And it's all a work of the enemy to try to trip you up because that's the only power he has over you is the power that you give him by listening to his words. And so God gave David a song concerning his enemy. And I believe that God wants to give somebody in this building a song concerning your enemy today. Amen. I believe God wants to put a song back in your soul and words back in your heart that will help you understand and remember who you are. And David, the eighth psalm is that psalm, that song that God gave David after he had defeated Goliath, after he had overcome all of this, uh, the questioning of his integrity, the questioning of his identity, the questioning of his calling, God gave him a song to sing. And in that song, God reminded him of some very important things. Go back to Psalm chapter 8 again with me. Psalm chapter 8, let's go back and let's pick up at verse number 3. He said, And when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visiteth him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. And thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And all sheep and oxen. And all beasts of the field. And the fowl of the air. And the fish of the sea. And whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. God began to show David everything that he was and everything that he had been given. And I love what David said. David began to confess these things about the Lord. First of all, he confessed that God has made me. Everybody say, God made me. I want you to get that in your mind and your spirit today because I think it's powerfully helpful when we're dealing with an enemy that wants to question who you are. I've got to remember who made me. I'm not made a little lower than the beast. I'm made a little lower than the angels. One translation said, I was made a little lower than God. When God made you, He didn't make a mistake. He didn't make some mishap. He didn't do something that was accidental. When God made you, He made you to be an overcomer. He made you to be victorious. He made you to stand up to your enemy. He made you to look your Goliath in the eye and say, You come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Amen. God made me. Everybody say it again. God made me. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to treat me better. 
Because God made me. Man. Man, He made me. He made me. He didn't make me a mistake. He made me with a purpose. When I consider the heavens, the work of your finger, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him for, thou hast made him. Amen. I didn't pop out of an egg. I was made. Amen. I didn't evolve. I was made. God had plans in mind. When we, when we talk about this is the day the Lord hath made, the word goes back to the word in Genesis that speaks of His creative word. It is that word of beginning. It is that word that is so powerful that it can open its mouth and say, let there be. And all of a sudden, the universe is all around us. And let there be. And there's water and fish and trees. It's the power that God has over my life. He made me. You need to remember that when the enemy is questioning your integrity and questioning your character and questioning your qualifications and questioning your ability, you need to remember, I'm God-made. Amen. And if I'm God-made, I must be made for more. I must be made for better things. I must be made for greater things. And I'm not going to be satisfied with anything less. Number two, God not only made me, but he goes on to say, God crowned me. Amen. Somebody say, I'm crowned. I wear a crown of purpose. that, That crown signified distinction and position and power. God put me in this world for a reason. I'm not here just to take up space. And I'm not going to live like I'm just taking up space. I'm going to live like I have a divine purpose. And I'm going to live in the authority that I have been crowned to do something and be something. Everybody say, I'm crowned. I'm not junk. I'm not trash. I'm crowned. Amen. I have a purpose. I have a reason for being here. I know sometimes your parents might have said things that made you question your purpose. I don't even know what you were here for. Amen. But not in God's book. God said, I want to let you know that you have a divine purpose. Number three, he said, he made me to have dominion. God didn't make you to be a servant. He made you to rule. He didn't make you so you would be ruled, but to rule. He didn't make you so that you would be led, but to lead. Amen. You are commissioned. You have been called. You have an anointing on your life that comes from the hand of God. And you are supposed to be the head and not the tail. 
You're supposed to be above and not beneath. So don't allow some spiritual Goliath that has risen up in your life that's hurling all this stuff. You're not going to ever be that. You'll never overcome that. You don't, you're not worthy of that. You, you didn't have a calling on your life. You don't have a ministry. You don't have a reason for being here. Every time you hear those words, you just remind him, I'm God made. And if God made me, God made me for a reason. Not only did God make me, God crowned me. He put, he, he put me in a place to be used. And he gave me dominion. He gave me power. And then he said he put everything under my feet. Everybody say he put it under your feet. It should never be over your head. And some of you are letting some stuff get over your head right now. And it's messing with your head. All this, all of these things that the world is throwing at you, questioning your God and whether there is a God and whether God can really do things miraculous. Well, if he does, why are so many people sick and why this and why that? In spite of it all, you need to rise up and remember that God made you and God called you and God put his hand on you and he put everything under your feet. That's where it needs to stay is under your feet, not over your head. Amen. Goliath wanted to make them forget who they were. God sent a man by the name of David, just really a boy at that time but a man who was willing to believe what God had said about him. Goliath wants to make you forget all that you are. He wants me to forget all that I am, that you were created, that you have a purpose, that you have a ministry, that you have a position, that you have a calling, that you're ahead and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath, that you have been called and you have been chosen. And for that, you must be faithful. There are spirits that we encounter every day that we live whose sole purpose is to frustrate you, challenge you, intimidate you, question you. Amen. Am I preaching to anybody here today? Oh, God wants to give you a song over your Goliath. He wants to give you a song that will remind you, I'm a child of God. I am a chosen one. I am anointed. I am called. Hallelujah. I'm not here by, I'm not a mistake. I'm not just some confused mass of, of hormones and, and cells and tissue, but I am a divine purposed being that is here for for a reason and I want to find that reason God wants to give you a song concerning those things that mock you today so that you can rise up and defeat them stand with me if you will you and I may be challenged but we are not to be changed from who we are amen you may mock me but you're not going to beat me. Amen. You may mock me, but you're not going to beat me. You may ridicule me, but you're not going to reduce me. You're not going to take away from me who I am. You need to be, you, you, you need to be like David. 
You need a song that will help you get through all that. You need a song that will change the tone of your life, change your attitude, help you to live like you're saved, act like you're saved, act like you're a child of God, live above your trouble. Amen. I'm afraid there's far too many negative influences that have have more influence over us than we're willing to admit. When we were kids, I think I may have told you the story. We moved out to the country. For a little boy, I thought that was the ideal life. I thought I had moved to paradise. But it wasn't long until my mother began to be sick. And it progressively got worse and worse. And as the weeks and months passed, the doctors treated her. Everything they knew and they couldn't find a remedy. And finally they asked my dad, what has changed in your environment? What, what's different in your, your home life or what, what's happened? And dad said, well, the only thing that's changed is we moved to the country. light came on in the cert or the doctor's eyes and and he asked the question are are you on a well by any chance and my dad said yes sir we are he said i think it might be a good thing for you to have that well checked sure enough after they had the well checked were poisons that were seeping into that well that we were unaware of and we were still drinking that water thinking everything was okay we couldn't understand why we were feeling bad and mom wasn't getting better I think there's more than just one well that's been polluted in life I think sometimes we allow the well of our mind to be polluted And we let all this stuff sink in that the world says and the devil says and our Goliath says and whatever that challenging thing in your life is that that makes you question your validity or question your calling or question your worth or your value. And we let that stuff seep in. And the effect of that is we begin to act like something that we're not. We lash out. We become angry. We become bitter. We become hateful and vindictive and hopeless and and fearful. And we're reduced to this shaking, questioning, fearful person that just needs to drink from a new well. That's what you need to do today. You you need to find a new well to drink from. You need to drink from a well that reminds you you're a child of God. You have been called. You have had God's hand laid upon your life. You have been crowned with purpose. You have been given authority. Why don't you start living like you have a little bit of that? Oh, yeah, instead of saying, 
Well, that's just the way life is. Say, no, sir, not so. In the name of Jesus, it shall not be so. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the spirits that come to torment my mind and make me question my identity and who I am and make me feel less than a human and less than a child of God. I need to drink from a new well this morning. I need my mind to be refreshed with a new thought. The greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I was made to overcome. I was made for victory. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He hates your origins. That's why he fights so much to undermine who you are. He hates your origins. He hates the fact that you were made. He's a fallen angel, so evidently, as an angel, he was spoken into existence. But when God came to man, he said, oh no, I'm going to put my hands on this. I'm going to let it have my imprint. (laughs) And that's why he hates what you represent. He hates your origin. He hates the fact that you're a child of God, that you were created by him, that you were called by him. He envies your crown. He envies your position today as a child of God. Hallelujah. And that's why he works so feverishly. That's why he frustrates and annoys Brother James called them the other night. He said in the business world they're called what heel grabbers? Ankle biters. Yeah. Ankle biters. They can't take you out, but they can sure annoy you to death. And some of you, you need to I, I don't know if I made a lot of sense today, but you better listen to me right now. Some of you are dealing with some annoying things in your life that just keep nipping at this to nipping at that and nipping here and nipping there. And what's happened is you don't realize that the effect of that nipping has made an effect on your spirit. And you start reacting. It's what happened to a man by the name of Elijah. Man, he was chapter 17 of Kings. He is king of the mountain. He's on top of the mountain. Baal's prophets are being slain. And then the very next chapter, he's crawled up under a, a bush saying, Oh God. Let me die. What happened? How could he move from a position of authority where he dared them? He said, you need to cry a little louder. You need to pray a little longer. Maybe your God's on vacation. And he mocked those prophets of Baal. And he stands with such authority and such power in that moment. And in the very next chapter. 
You can't hardly find him. He's shriveled up and crawled up underneath the shadow of that little tree, trying to disappear. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. He started reacting to life. He let the effects of the enemy, effects of the enemy, begin to effect his spirit, his mind, his thinking. And that's what's happened to some of us here. We've let the effects of life, all the stuff around us, all the lies that are being thrown around, all the untruth that's being hurled, all the undermining of what's right that's happening in our culture. The effect of that on us is that we begin to question who we are. We begin to question our position in God. Do we even have a right to pray? Do we have a right to even be here? And I've come to tell you, you've got every right in the world. And God, He wants to help you get a drink from another well this morning. Uh, yeah, you've been drinking from that poison stuff too long. Your mind and your spirit has been affected too long. You need to start drinking from that well that reminds you of who you are. Say it, I am a child of God. I'm going to be everything he said I can be. Man, reach over and take somebody by the hand and ask them to come with you right now and let's come and finish our service at the altar. Would you do that? I am clean. Oh, hallelujah. I am washed. Oh, hallelujah. I am saved. I am sanctified.